Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. So it's not Monday, it's Tuesday, but it's Halloween. So I'm so excited that Francesca Maria was available to come and have a Halloween party with me on Booklights Radio. So (laughs) if you haven't met her yet, she wears many hats, but Francesca Maria is actually a horror writer. And we are also going to talk about ghostly things because she's also a psychic. So anyway, not to confuse you, but we'll get started with the writer. So if you haven't read her books yet, you're in for a treat. And she has a Kickstarter going right now for Haunted Comics, Black Cat Comics. So I'll let her tell you about it. But here's her bio so you can get to know her. Francesca Maria writes dark fiction surrounded by cats near the Pacific Ocean. She is the creator of the Black Cat Chronicles comic book series and her short story collection, They Hide, Short Stories to Tell in the Dark, is out now. And you can find out more at her website. I did put a link to her website right there on Blog Talk. So if you are listening live or if you're listening later, you can click that, sign up for her newsletter, and go back that Kickstarter. It ends tonight. So we've only got a few more hours, but they're less than $500 from making the next comic a reality. So head over to Kickstarter and definitely back that. And I'll let her tell you about it. Are you there, Francesca? I am. Thank you so much for having me on, Lisa. I was so excited to see your Kickstarter so close. You want to tell everybody what it's about so that they can run and back it real quick today? Sure, yeah. So Black Cat Chronicles are true tales of terror narrated by a mystical black cat. Um, We're on our fourth issue right now, which is on Portland or underground, so Portland, Oregon. Back in like the 1850s, there was a lot of human trafficking. Um, A lot of men would go missing from bars, from alleyways, from streets. They'd be drugged and pulled underground and then taken onto ships as slave labor to and from Shanghai. That's where the term Shanghai comes from. And so there's a lot of spooky tales that took place during that time. There's a very seedy, dark part of Portland, Oregon's history. A lot of um, ghostly sightings, a lot of, there's some cryptid stuff that I'm going to throw in there. All true. So we've got a phenomenal artist um, by the name of Nate Olson who helped me to create the um, emotional, moody, scary state of the stories. And we are, like you said, just about uh, $500 left to go on our Kickstarter, and we've got until midnight Pacific time to reach that goal. Yeah, and, you know, when I was looking at the art that you have on the Kickstarter, it's so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. And if people back it, do they get extra things, too, parts of art or anything? They do, yeah. There's a lot of different pledges, you know, a lot of different tiers that you can um, choose. Um, one of the tiers has the print. So with each comic we do, there's like a double-page spread, which means it, it takes place over two pages. And that we make available as a print that people can, can add to their pledge, both either in black and white or in color. And we've got 
the old version, so the issues one, two, and three, we've got those prints available too that people can add on to their order. So if you missed out on, you know, the first issue, which was Haunted Cemetery in Scotland called Greyfriars Cemetery, the second issue was a fishing town that goes missing in Alaska, and the third issue is all kinds of creepy stuff that took place in Antarctica. So you can add all those three issues to your to your pledge and look at the prints and order those prints separately as well. Oh, my gosh. So cool. And it's so funny. I had no idea that they were doing that in Portland, taking men out through tunnels, because I wrote the Immortal Pirate series in Savannah. And that was, of course, happening in the 1700s. But they still have pirate tunnels that you can see where they would, you know, drug you because if they found you in a bar and decided that you knew how to be a dentist or a doctor, they would get mm. you very drunk, drop you down the tunnel and you'd wake up on a pirate ship out in the ocean. Um, <laughs> welcome. You're now the doctor. Uh, Fascinating. So, um, Fascinating. Yeah. Wild. Similar, similar story. Yeah. Similar stories in Portland. In fact, there's some statistic. I don't have it off the top of my head, but there's a statistic where more people were going missing in the Portland area than any other place in the country at the time. And what wow. they would do, it's, it's kind, it sounds kind of gross, but what they would do is at the bar, they actually had a urinal, like, at the bar. So people didn't even, like, leave to go to the bathroom. They just kept pumping them <laughs> with alcohol. And there was, like, literally a trap door. So, you know, when, you know, people were distracted, the bartender would basically click a button, and the bar stool would fall underground to the Portland Underground, and that's where – you know, the, the drunk, you know, uh, victim who would get hit over the head and then taken onto the ship. It's this huge production. It's, you know, lots of people involved. Lots of people um, were paid to, to keep quiet. Um, it went wow. into, you know, police departments were part of it. The politicians were part of it. It was a really huge human trafficking business um, back in the day. And unfortunately, it's still an issue in Portland. Wow, I had no idea. That's wild. Yeah. Human trafficking is still alive and well, unfortunately. Dang. Wow. And so are there, obviously there must be because you're writing the Black Cat Chronicles about it, but are there like famous ghost stories in Portland that you're highlighting? Oh, several, yes. So one is um, one of the most famous ones is a woman by the name of Nina. She was um, kind of forced into um, prostitution, as many women of the day were. And uh, one of her Johns um, strangled her, and um, she went and complained. Um, so she before before she met her her untimely death. Um, she tried to highlight what was happening to other women um, that were forced into prostitution. And she was found at the strangled at the bottom of an elevator shaft. Um, so her ghost is said to linger quite a bit in what's now known as the old pizza shop um, right in downtown Portland. So a lot of people will like feel her presence or smell her perfume or she really likes men. And so she will, you know, a lot of time when the men go downstairs to, like, grab a keg of beer or to get something from the basement, um, they can feel her gentle tap on, on, um, on their shoulder. Wow. 
very cool. Yeah. And and yeah. and your your cat is back there giving us some background <laughs> spooky. <laughs> he's, he's creating the mood. He's like, Mom, he you're telling scary stories again. I'm scared. What are you doing? That's yeah. that's right. He's over there going, I'm the black cat in the chronicles. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I'm very famous. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, or was it a ghostly cat? <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, it could be. Um, <laughs> so it's Halloween, and people like mm-hmm. to tell scary stories at Halloween. So can you yeah. tell everybody a little bit about what's in They Hide? Because those are stories to tell in the dark, right? Yes. So my collection came out in April. It's called They Hide Short Stories to Tell in the Dark. And it's my love letter to horror tropes and monsters. So there's 13 different tales in there, each one focused on a different monster. So, like, there's a witch story, there's a vampire story, there's a werewolf story, creepy clown story. I got a Wendigo in there, um, some demon possession stuff going on. So each tale is uniquely different. Um, They take place in different periods, different locations, um, different perspectives, told from different, um, different viewpoints. Um, and they're all just super duper fun. It's it's really is kind of my love letter to all the things that go bump in the night. <laughs> Do you have one that's set at Halloween in there? Um. Oh, good question. I'm trying to think. I don't have one that's set in Halloween, but I do have one at the very end that's set in the winter solstice, which is the longest night of the year. So it's close, but it's not exactly Halloween. Right, right. (laughs) Well, do you have Halloween traditions around your house that you enjoy as we get to the spookiest night of the year? I do, yes, several. Um, So as soon as it's October 1st, sometimes I might do September 30th, depending on my mood, the house becomes Halloweened out. So we do a lot of tombstones in the front yard, a lot of, you know, skeletons and spooky things that come out. Um, We start watching the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror um, and and kind of watch those in order to kind of get ready. Um, It's usually some horror movie every night that we watch. Um, I'm usually writing a lot during this time. I've done a lot of events, in-person signings for Halloween. So, uh, yeah, lots of, you know, treats that I've got around, you know, getting fat with all the chocolate. Right, right. (laughs) Lots of of tombstones, lots of horror movies, lots of writing, and lots of, you know, kind of author events this month. Love that. Yeah, I always get the haunted porch, or this year it's the haunted patio, and uh, nice. do a little video tour for everyone close to Halloween. I think it just went up, I don't know, a few days ago. But um, So I do that. But the funniest, to me anyway, is that I have this zombie hand, and I've had it since my kids were little. And it looks very realistic, like a real hand, but I, like, gooeyed it up and I painted the nails black and and so anyway it's just this disembodied hand and when my son was little I would put it in the bathroom like on the counter reaching for the soap or something and he hated he hated the zombie hand so much that during October you could hear that toilet go flush and he'd come flying out of the bathroom (laughs) 
because he oh, hated that man. And so That's now, awesome. of course, my kids are grown and moved out, but I tend to put the hand in a different spot every year. And this year I was looking around going, well, don't want to put it in the bathroom because then if anybody, when we have our little Halloween soiree, nobody's going to see him. So mm. then this year I have, I have this giant dictionary. It belongs to my great-grandparents, and it's edition three of the Webster's Dictionary. It, it, the spine wow. of this thing is like 10 inches. It is the best. Oh it's goodness. the coolest book ever. So it has its own little book stand, and it's out on a table. And I thought, oh, my zombie hand is going to learn new vocabulary. So it's laying on the open dictionary, <laughs> pointing to a different oh. word every day. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. So he's being very educated this year. Um, <laughs> so we've had that's fun. Fantastic. We've had fun with what word is he looking up today? Um, <laughs> that's, that's great. Oh, so so fun. <laughs> but you said that you were writing a lot. So what's next for you? Um, well, I've got a story coming out in an anthology called Under the Stairs that's going to come out on December 1st, and it's actually a true story. It's my recollections of what happened in my haunted house that I grew up in, um, getting trapped in the bathroom at a young age. So um, that was written um, in great detail, and that's going to come out um, pretty soon. Oh, wow. That reminds me of that Winchester Mansion story when she got trapped in the room and you can still see the crowbar marks trying to get her out, right? <laughs> oh, I don't remember that story. Which one's that, Lisa? Um, she, the Winchester, why can't I remember her first name? Um, Sarah. Sarah Winchester. Sarah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Sarah Winchester yeah. had that room that has like the daisies um, on the stained glass or the wallpaper or something. It was her happy daisy room. And then that uh -huh. big earthquake hit California and it mm -hmm. shook the foundation. So the door jammed mm -hmm. shut and they couldn't get her oh. out. And she was freaking out and they had that intercom system. And supposedly she was like screaming in there because she couldn't get out. And so they ended up having to get a crowbar to get her out of that room. And so when they give you the tour, you can still see see the crowbar marks on the on the side and she never ever went back in that room ever again even though it was her oh favorite. my goodness yeah oh, I, I didn't know that one that's a that's a good story yeah so you had a similar a similar event did that make you uh not want to close any doors ever again yes 100 <laughs> percent um yeah unless you know if, if i'm in public of course i'm going to lock the bathroom door but any right. anytime i'm at home or something like that bathroom door stays open so mine wasn't from like an earthquake it was this kind of evil entity that was haunting our home at the time would jam the door on me and it wasn't like it swelled because you know i was in the shower and the steam it only happened to me and it was the lock itself um the doorknob that would get kind of jammed and broken to the point where my dad had to like grab um, his tools, his screwdriver and stuff and take the whole doorknob apart just to get me out of the bathroom. And that didn't happen right. once or twice or three times. It happened, you know, between, you know, this was a long time ago, but I think between a dozen and two dozen times. 
Um, my dad had to replace the locks. He changed the type of doorknob several times. Um, it only happened to me. My other siblings had other kinds of, like, unique terrors that they had to experience, but mine was wow. being trapped in the bathroom. Scary. You know, this is so yeah. weird because I've never met anyone else who had this kind of thing. But I, when I was a kid, I used to have a recurring dream about being trapped in the bathroom. And Ooh. to the point where in my dream, um, I become a skeleton. Nobody comes and finds me until I'm a skeleton and there's cobwebs. And then I would wake up. And so from the age of like five until six, six or seven, I wouldn't close any doors to the point where mm -hmm. I had an accident in kindergarten because the door closed automatically behind you. And I just, I just couldn't. And mm -hmm. um, still to this day, we, I, I have no problem closing doors now and locking them. It's not a problem. However, we were at a restaurant. Um, I think we were coming back from Disney world and the, the door on the bathroom got jammed or something. I mean, I, it, it, <laughs> I turned, I took off the lock and I turned it and nothing happened and I couldn't get the door oh. open. And for a split second, that childhood super wave mm -hmm. of adrenaline and panic, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to die in here and be a skeleton with cobwebs. And it, it took mm -hmm. probably a full 10 or 15 seconds before my adult brain went, Lisa, you have your cell phone. Just text Ken. He's right outside. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, calm down, breathe. But then I got the door open by myself. But I was amazed how quickly yeah. all of that panic just whoosh right back in of, oh, my God, I'm going to die in the bathroom. <laughs> well, and isn't, isn't that fascinating that you had that reoccurring you know, nightmare. And then, yeah. you, you know, you did get, you did get trapped, but I wonder what all that meant, you know, on the psyche kind of level for you. That's fascinating. Isn't it wild? Well, I had yeah. a psychic once tell me that that happened because of a past life and she was guessing mm. something with Gettysburg, but she said when Gettysburg happened, there were a lot of children that they were hiding down in root cellars and things to keep them safe mm -hmm. from all the war and that a bunch of children died down there because their parents died. So nobody came to let them out. And I oh, was like, my oh, God. my gosh. And she said, and it magically went away because once you pass that age of however you were, however old you were when you passed away, the fear's gone. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, because I never, my mom never took me to a therapist. She just thought it was a phase. So she never took me to right. a therapist. It just miraculously one day I could close doors, lock them. It was just gone. And so it was wild. Yeah. But when she told me that, I thought, huh, well, that would explain why it just suddenly went away all by itself. But she said, once you pass that age of when it, you know, happened, she said, there's no reason for that fear to still be there. So that was wild. But yeah, isn't that weird? That makes perfect sense. Yeah, a lot of a lot of creepy, weird stuff with past lives, for sure. I've seen a lot of things in my psychic mediumship world. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's so wild what we carry through, <laughs> carry yeah, through all our yeah. lifetimes. <laughs> It's, and it's totally not fair. Like, this lifetime is hard enough. Like, we don't need to be bringing baggage from past lifetimes into the present. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I died for a reason. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> Leave all that behind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, 100%. So- Speaking along those kind of lines um, <laughs> and psychic-y things, you mm-hmm. also are a Reiki master and a psychic medium mm-hmm. and all these mm-hmm. woo-woo things. And mm-hmm. I, I also share in the woo, and people are always going, then how do you write scary things? So do you want to mm-hmm. explain your yin and yang between your light and dark here? Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, I started writing at the age of six to process that haunted house that I was living in. And so writing has always been very cathartic to me. And writing through my fears and writing about the dark helps me to become empowered by it because I get to control the ending. I get to control, you know, the monsters, um, the characters. Um, and it was a very therapeutic thing for me to do at the time when I felt so powerless in that haunted house. So writing has always been very um, cathartic for me. And, you know, again, writing, writing about the dark helps me go through that dark tunnel so I can find the light at the end of it. Um, facing my fears and writing about scary stuff makes them have less of a grip or less of a hold on me. And that's what I hope to bring my readers through as well, is that, you know, hopefully my horror work is very entertaining, but at the end of the day, it's hopefully inspiring or motivating or uplifting in a way, because you can see how people, you know, have had, you know, scary experiences or encounters with vampires and, you know, how do they <laughs> overcome it or what's, what's the outcome or how do, you, how do you kind of persevere despite that. So um, that's a little bit of the dark side. The light side is just, you know, there's enough, you know, scary things in the world. You know, let's focus on, you know, being true to ourselves. Let's focus on the love instead of the hate. Let's focus on um, becoming empowered. Let's focus on, you know, just being more of a light into the darkness. And so I think we all have both light and dark. If I was too much in the light, that I wouldn't be honest about what I was fearful with in the dark. And if I was too much in the dark, it would be depressing and, right. and, and become maybe, you know, a little too heavy for me. So, so balancing the two is, is really important. And, you know, I do a lot of mediumship work. So I, I see a lot of clients and help them connect to their loved ones on the other side. And to be honest with you, I have to go into those kind of dark places to talk about the suicides, to talk about the murders, mm-hmm. to talk about, you know, A, B, and C. And so, you know, writing about horror stuff and writing about what's possible um, and what humans do to each other is actually really helpful in the psychic work that I do because it opens and expands my brain to what's possible. And I do a lot of psychic detective work, which means, you know, people go missing or people die under mysterious circumstances. And so I have to kind of go into those dark places to kind of see what happened to their, you know, people's loved ones. And so, Marrying the two has been really, I think, beneficial, not just for my own health, but also for the clients that I see um, over the years. Yeah, and you and I have talked before about it, too, that it, it's fun to – horror is like the only way that you can experience these emotions in a safe place. <laughs> right, exactly. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those emotions that, you know, you – 
you want to experience everything, but you certainly don't want to experience it in real life. So it's fun to have that little adrenaline rush of fear. Don't go in there. Don't go. Oh my gosh, they're going in there. And, and yet it's not you, (laughs) you don't have to go through it in real life. (laughs) A hundred percent. And God forbid, if you know, one of those monsters do show up, maybe by reading horror, you've got some options like, Oh, Oh, I've seen this character defeat the monster by doing A, B, and C. And so, you know, maybe you've got some tools on how to deal with real world, real world monsters just by reading horror. Right, right. So when that zombie apocalypse comes, you're going to be the one who can get through it. <laughs> you've got the baseball bat, spikes, and the shotgun loaded. Yes. That's right. You're ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I had I had someone point out that all the book people will be safe because we'll hide in the library and zombies can't read. Oh, there you go. Nice. <laughs> Smart. That is true. So, they can't eat books. Right? Right? So, um, since it is Halloween and mm-hmm. since you know, both have that psychic twinkle. I wanted to give everybody some, you know, quick real life ghost stories. So do you have a ghost story to share for us for Halloween? I have one that happened like yesterday. So oh my um, gosh. I know. So I, I moved into, I live in the Pacific coast. Um, I moved into this house um, 2021. And when I first moved in, uh, at three o'clock in the morning, the bedroom lights would all just come on on their own. And I first thought it was a glitch. You know, I'm, I'm learning the new system. It's like a slider light. So I thought maybe I didn't push it right the right, the first time. Mm -hmm. Then it kept happening. Then it kept happening. And to the point where I'm waking up at three o'clock in the morning, yelling at some ghost saying, I'm trying to sleep, (laughs) leave the lights alone. Boundaries. Okay. Right. And so, so this weekend, we were um, driving down to L.A., so we had our neighbor across the street watch our cats for us. And she was the only one with the keys of the house, and she was the only one in the house, you know, Saturday night and Sunday morning. When she came in to feed the cats Sunday morning, all the lights in the kitchen were on, and she had not turned them on herself. Um, And it scared her so much that she had to go get her dad and have her dad walk her through the house to make sure no one had broken in. And there was no forced entry. Nothing was missing. Nothing was weird other than these lights were on. (laughs) And then she later, she later told me that, you know, she's a sensitive too, and she can kind of see and sense spirit. And we've got a front window that faces her house. She said she was out, you know, minding her own business. And she looked over to our house to see her old neighbor who had owned our house waving and smiling at her from inside our front door, our front window. Oh, my so gosh. She wa- yeah. So she wasn't sure if she should tell me or not because she didn't know if it would freak me out. Um, and it did kind of freak me out, to be honest <laughs> with you. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad she told me because now, now I know what to do. I need to just kind of clear the energy and clear the space. But apparently we've got an active ghost um, roaming around our house at the moment. But, you know, they're kind and conscientious, and they don't want anyone to get hurt, so they're turning on all the lights. Yeah, and that's what I thought. Like, she knew that neighbor really well, and they were always very helpful and very friendly. And so she was coming into the house, and it was kind of dark in the morning, and so I'm Mm -hmm. sure they were turning (laughs) on the lights to give her a hand. However, (laughs) it's my house, and I live here now. Right. Thank you, but no thanks. 
Yes. I have some personal boundaries. I would like to control the lights myself. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, I've got, I've got one more that happened this weekend, too. So driving back home from L.A., we drove on the freeway that's called Highway 46, which, unbeknownst to me, is where James Dean lost his life um, coming oh. back home from a, from a car race. And as soon as we passed the memorial sign of where the accident took place, I got a huge psychic hit. I had like a, a big, I don't know, jab on my right side. It felt like I got hit on the right side of my head and I had like an instant migraine. And then as soon as we passed through the area, it went away. So I got almost like a, a sense of what he, he may have felt during the accident um, as wow. we were driving past it. Wow. Yeah, that was wild. wild. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, it was crazy. Oh, I love that. <laughs> well, and, and I'm going to – huh? Well, I was going to ask, what about you? Do you got some cool ghost stories to share? Yes. Well, I have many because I used to work in the Whaley House, America's Most Haunted Residence. But oh, I was yeah. going to share this, this story about the Whaley House that was – bizarre because it didn't actually happen in the Whaley house. But when mm. I first started being a docent there and learning all the stories and the history of the house, and I would share it with my husband, Ken, and um, he's very psychic and runs his own little podcast called Psychic Tapestry. And he thought that it would be really fun to do a show about the Whaley house. And the Whaley house people were fine with it. And so he starts doing his, his show and he's talking about the different people from the Whaley house. And when he got to Francis Whaley, Frank Whaley, he was talking about different stories about him in the house. And also that Frank is usually the one that psychic mediums will say, oh, he's the electronics because they were from the 1800s and he was very interested in all of that. I think he died in 1914, but um, he was very interested in technology and the cutting edge. And while Ken is talking, I'm listening to the podcast live. It was a blog talk show, so it's coming out live and recording at the same time. And so he has mm -hmm. his headphones on doing his show and while he's talking, all of a sudden his voice starts to go away. It gets very distant where you can barely hear Ken talk, and you're hearing these big, heavy footsteps. And I'm like, what, what is that? Oh and, and I'm in a different part of our house because I didn't want to hear the echo because there's a little echo with blog talk. And so I'm messaging Ken on the computer going, do you hear this? And he's messaging back, hear what? Because he couldn't hear it in his headphones. He had headphones with the show. And I'm like, what? Oh, and my God. It, it happened like two or three different times. And then at the end of the podcast, as he's wrapping up, because now other people are also, because there's a chat room on Blog Talk, other people in the chat room are talking about what are these footsteps? And and. So my husband's Crazy. very freaked out by the end. And so he's wrapping up and all of a sudden his voice gets pulled back again and you just hear a man laughing. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. I was like, what is happening? And so when, when Ken listened to it back, he is just like, whoa, because he couldn't hear any of it. 
So that was so bizarre. But, you know, they say spirit is just energy and it can manipulate energy. And that's what he was, you know, doing a blog talk show is just like energy floating through the air and coming out of your computer. So anyway, Francis Whaley had quite a good time that day. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's awesome. That is fantastic. And hey, as we're going live, maybe people are hearing things in the background for our talk, too. Who knows? That's what I was ta- thinking, too. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, I better listen mm-hmm. back to this because maybe he's mm-hmm. paying a visit and we don't even hear it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, right. So That's right. Well, happy Halloween, That's everyone. <laughs> yes. Happy spooktacular Halloween. That's right. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was It's always fun to talk to you. You can come back anytime. But everyone right now, go to Kickstarter and look up the Black Cat Chronicles because you could be the backer that pushes them right over their goal so that they can make the next comic and tell us all about Spooky Portland. I can't wait. Woo-hoo. Thank you so much, Lisa. It was so much fun. Yeah, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Thanks for joining us on Book Life. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.